Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. Well, good morning. Welcome to CT Church. I want to begin a new series this morning entitled Back to the Basics. You know, today there's a lot of people who are looking for very complex solutions to the very complex problems that we have in our world. How many of you would agree we got a lot of complex problems we're dealing with in the world around us? But the thing is this, that God's people certainly need to understand, and that is the real answers to life, life's problems are generally very simple. The answers are all found in His Word, and in living the Christian lifestyle, but people have made the process of finding answers to their life very difficult and complex. And so over the next four to five weeks, we're, we're just going to get back to the basics. And I'll, I'll start this morning with just the very basic story of Jesus and, and, and why He came to earth to live among us humans in the first place. Jesus came to earth in human form, yet he was, at the same time, he was fully human and fully God. He spent the first 29 and a half years of his life growing and preparing for ministry. And then he spent the final three and a half years doing and fulfilling what God had actually sent him to do, right? And it all culminated with him dying on a cross to pay the price for our sins, and then he rose from the dead three days later. We just remembered and acknowledged that in our time of communion this morning. And so, one thing I want to talk about this morning is why did he do that? I I would have to think that the most famous verse in the entire Bible is probably John 3.16, right? You see it hanging up at football games even. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You've heard it. There's some really, four really important words there are whosoever believes in Him referring to Jesus. And then it says will not perish but have everlasting life which refers to the fact that we get to go to heaven. Amen? That's pretty big news, isn't it? But here is the big problem that I see today. According to a a fairly recent poll, almost 80% of all Americans said that they believe in Jesus Christ. Well, on the surface, I guess that sounds good, right? And about 70% of Americans polled classified themselves as Christian. Now, does anybody see a problem here? Does anybody see a need as to why we maybe ought to get back to the basics? Because I don't know about you, when I look at the world around me and I see everything that's going on, I have a very, very tough time believing that 70 to 80% of all the people are living their life according to God's principles, and only 20 to 30% are not. Does anybody relate to that? I mean, if anything, it seems like the reverse might be true. So there's, there's a big problem here, and I think 
The problem is a large majority of people who claim to be believers apparently do not actually know or understand what it really means to be a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. And so we're a nation that needs to get back to the basics, aren't we? Now, I'm not trying to be judgmental here, uh, but I just say take a look at what's going on around in the world and you tell me, right? Look at the internet alone. You know, we all have grown to depend on the internet. Raise your hand if there are days where you have no internet access and it kind of drives you crazy. Most. Most. I mean, it's like leaving without your watch or your phone or something. Now, I mean, boy, when we don't have internet access, we feel disconnected from the world. And you look at the biggest cash cow on the web is the $100 billion a year porn industry. That brings in more revenue than the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA all put together. Can you believe that? So I, yeah, I have a hard time believing that almost 70 to 80% of the population is really living according to God's standards. And not everyone that claims to believe in Jesus is a true follower of Christ, apparently. Hmm? Now, does that, or should it surprise us? No, because Jesus told us in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. So it's not going to be as big a group as a lot of people claim, which is sad, isn't it? Jesus is saying here that you can't always tell a believer simply by their words. And I'll tell you, after having pastored a church for several years now, I can say that is absolutely true. Sometimes you're just in shock of what takes place in people's lives. Talking the talk doesn't necessarily mean we're always walking the walk, right? In fact, he's saying here that if you're a true believer, it is going to change the way you live your life. It's going to change the way you act. And this morning, I, I want to I talk about three different kind of people that are found in most churches today. If, you're, if you were going to categorize them, you would probably call them the saints, the stumblers, and the seekers. The saints would be those folks who not only claim to be believers, but they act like believers. It doesn't mean that they're perfect. You know, there are so few of us left. My wife was the first one to start laughing. That ought to tell you something. None of us are perfect, right? We might be saints, but certainly none of us are perfect. But it means that we are striving to be Christ-like. Do we make mistakes? Sure, we all make mistakes. But when we do, we stop, we acknowledge it, we admit it, and we ask Him to forgive us. We don't just keep living on in that sin like, well, this is just how I am. Like it or lump it. It means, it means we're trying. And, and uh, we're trying to be Christ-like, right? What does it mean to be Christ-like? It means we're living lives where we're unselfish, we're loving, we're kind, we, we have joy, 
We, we are willing to help. That's being Christ-like. And then there's the stumblers. Stumblers are people who think they believe in and they know Jesus, but they just don't act like Jesus very often. They claim to be Christians, and yet they lead a very self-serving life, which is the opposite of being a Christian. We can't live a self-serving life and really be a Christian, can we? Because being Christ-like is all about giving out of ourselves, not about always taking in. And so we can't be living for ourselves, and, and a lot of times stumblers are involved in a lot of things in their life that Jesus would not be involved in. Stumblers. And then there's this third group, seekers. Seekers are usually intellectually honest. In other words, they'll admit that they're looking for answers, and a lot of times they have not ruled out Christianity, which is why they're sitting in churches across the, the world, but they haven't actually committed to it either, but they're willing to talk about it. That's a seeker. And my theory, as I said, is that most of us here today fall into one of those three categories. We either know Christ and we act like it, or we claim to, but we don't really act like it. Or maybe just here checking things out, looking for answers. Now, as your pastor and as your friend, my goal through this sermon is, is to help us settle this issue because it has very huge and profound implications on your life. It says, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a really big deal, right? That's a much bigger deal than a new car or an exotic vacation or a new fancy house. Nothing really trumps everlasting life, right? I can't think of anything as, oh, yeah, I'd rather have that than everlasting life. That's a tough one to, to beat, right? So I want to begin this series this morning by looking at five different components of faith. This whole journey, this whole Christian journey, or a journey of being a follower of Jesus Christ, it's all built on this foundation of faith. Because I cannot just to know positively prove to you scientifically everything there is to know about God. It's all done through faith, right? Oh, I can show you all kinds of evidence. I can show you so much evidence that it takes more faith to not believe in God than to believe in Him, in my opinion. Evidence I can show you. But it still comes down to, are we going to believe it and accept it by what? Faith. So we'll use this word faith as, a, as an acrostic as we build upon these five components of faith. So starting with the first word, F, F will stand for follow. If we're truly believers in Jesus, then we're going to follow his example. Amen? Everybody has an example they follow. Most of the examples in our lives today are usually pretty rotten examples. So many people use Hollywood celebrities or professional athletes, people in the limelight, to be their example. And there are precious few that are a good example. I am amazed at how many celebrities and sports figures like to give all of their profound political opinions. 
like we should all be incredibly interested. And since, hey, since they play basketball or they play football, they surely know about world politics and whatever they say, I'm buying into that. Or this guy, he makes movies. He must know what he's talking about. No, none of them, hardly any of them know what they're talking about. Amen? Most of them are just almost crazy. Now, I'll tell you one guy that I'm amused with, I guess. We need to pray for him, but he's honest. One thing I like about Charles Barkley is that although he leaves much to be desired as far as being a good example, he, he is at least the only sports icon I know that came out and verbally admitted it. Several years ago, he said, I am not a role model. So I appreciate his honesty, right? The other ones, they want to be role models, and they're terrible role models. Now, maybe you're here and you're saying, well, you know, I really don't even have a role model. Well, that, that's a problem, too, because what I've noticed is that if you don't decide who your role model is, other people around you will oftentimes decide it for you without you even realizing it. The media, peer pressure, social networks, as I said, celebrity. There's all kinds of people around us that just love to tell us how to live our life. We see it especially with social media, and I don't even want to get into that. Well, that just can drive you nuts. But God is saying, you know, wait a minute here. I don't want other people telling you how to live your life. I'm God. I should be the big influence in your life. I created you. I sent my son to show you how to live your life. There is an epidemic today of people that they hit middle age and suddenly they discover that their life plan uh, stinks and now all of a sudden they don't really know what to do with themselves. They were all about their careers, climbing the ladder of success, and it just all came crashing down. One guy had a great quote. I don't know who this was, but here was the quote. He said, I was all about climbing the ladder of success, but when I got to the top, I realized it was leaning against the wrong wall. That's a great example, isn't it? Did you know there are 21 occurrences in the Bible of Jesus saying, follow me? I tell you, if somebody says something 21 times, th there's something to it. Follow me, he said 21 times. He didn't say follow a principle. He didn't say follow a program. He didn't even say follow a particular religion. He said, follow me. Live your life. In other words, live your life like you're trying to emulate me. So if you don't get anything else that I say this morning, get this. God wants to have a relationship with you. And those words, follow me, that implies a relationship. When you begin a relationship with Jesus, a lot of things happen, a lot of incredible things. You get a lot of benefits in your life when you begin a relationship with him. Two of them that are very, very important are clarity and stability. Two things that people desperately need in the world today. They need clarity of life and they need stability in life. Clarity means that a lot of the things that we find confusing in life are going to become a lot clearer. We get that with a relationship with Jesus. We're able to focus on things that really matter in life when we're in a relationship with Jesus. We're able to get rid of all the clutter. 
all of the junk that we really don't need to pay attention to. We get clarity. The second thing we get that's very important, stability. Stability means you get this solid foundation that will not crumble on which to build your life. Because we know when we build our lives on any other foundation, at some point, it crumbles. Maybe not immediately, but eventually. Things are going to crumble. The richest people in the world have been very successful, obviously, on planet Earth. But if their foundation is not built on Jesus Christ, take it to the bank. At some point, it's all going to crumble. They're not taking all that money with them and things are going to fall apart. You're going to experience all kinds of storms in your life, whether you're a believer or not. God's Word tells us that. But without Jesus as the foundation of our life, eventually we're going to get blown away, right? So we have to learn to follow. That's step one. The next letter in the word faith, A, stands for accept. We have to follow his example and we have to accept him. We have to accept his grace. We have to accept his forgiveness. Grace is an incredible thing. Grace is when someone does something for you that you don't deserve. How many of you have experienced grace in your life? Sometimes people extend us grace and that's great. But I'll tell you, Nothing is greater than God's grace. Boy, that's the one that really matters. Grace is when something is done for us that we don't deserve. None of us deserve eternal life, but because of His grace, if we'll look to Him and build a relationship, deal is it? we're going to receive it, even though we don't deserve it. Wow, that's a, that's a great deal, isn't it? I've said many times from this pulpit, the one thing you never want to ask God for is to give you what you deserve. That is a really stupid prayer. We want God's grace in life. We do not want what we deserve. So don't ever pray that prayer. That's a bad prayer right there. God loves us so much that He doesn't give us what we deserve. He offers us the very thing that we need the most. His love, His grace and mercy, and His only Son. That's what we need the most. Amen? You know, you hear a lot of people sometimes say, well, you know, I'm a self-made man. Self-made woman. You know, the the truth is there is no such thing as a self-made person anywhere in the world. No one has been self-made. The fact is, God shows you grace every second of your life. Everything that you have, your freedom, your, your mind, your friends, your finances, your possessions, your life has been given to you by God. You are not self-made. If God hadn't chosen to create you, you wouldn't exist today. That's the bottom line, right? We are here, we exist because God chose to create us. He has a very unique plan for your life, but you have to follow it and you have to accept it. Amen? The good news is no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, 
God always is ready to give all of us another chance if we turn to Him. It's never too late to turn to God. You know, that thief that was on the cross, he had probably lived his entire life apart from God. And yet at the last moment, he said, I want to be with you in paradise. Forgive me. And Jesus turned to him. Moments from his passing said, today you're with me. Wow. That grace is for all. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest you just live your life any way you want, and then moments before you die, you just pray that prayer. If that's how you're living your life, I'll bet you buy a lot of lottery tickets every week. I'll bet you go to Vegas and they love you. Because you're just willing to bet, 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 gamble, gamble, gamble. If you're willing to gamble your life, you're certainly willing to gamble money. And they, probably, they love people like that, right? Well, I tell you, gambling your life, there's a whole sermon right there. So many people today are just literally gambling their life. So maybe you've made some really bad decisions in your life and, and now you've gotten things just completely messed up. God is saying, if you'll let me help you, We'll just start this thing over, and this time, things are going to be better. That is called grace. We don't deserve it, but He offers it to us. So how do we get grace? That's a good question, right? We need it, so how do we get it? We can't earn it, according to His Word. We're never going to deserve it. We can't buy it with cash. We can't put it on credit. The only way we can get God's grace is to just reach out and accept it. That's good news. Just admit to God that you need His grace. Swallow some pride and say, God, man, I have messed things up, so I, I, I know I'm not perfect, and I need your help. I need your forgiveness for things that I've done. And I know that I need you if I'm going to make it to heaven. I know I need you. I can't do this on my own. That's called humility. Admitting you need someone else. You need a higher power. You need God's grace. That's what humility is all about. So we follow. We accept. Step three is invest. Invest. Did you know you, you really only have three choices with what you're going to do with your life? You have three choices. You can waste it, you can spend it, or you can invest it. People invest at all different kinds of levels, right? You know, there's a lot of us, we invest by supporting our local church, giving into the kingdom of God, and that's great. We need people here at church. We're not going to have church, right? Well, some people, some people, God calls them to ramp it up a notch, to sell bought everything they have and moved to Myanmar. And that's great. If God calls you to do that, that's what you need to do. If God calls you to stay and minister in your local community, that's what you need to do. God has a calling on each of us. We just need to be willing to accept it. Amen? So, we, 
we can waste our life, we can spend it, or we can invest it. If you want to waste your life, well, that's easy. The world will give you 10,000 ways to waste your life. Just look around. Or you can spend your life. If you, if you want to spend your life, there's a ton of ways to do that also. You can spend it making money. You can spend it storing up possessions. You can spend it trying to find pleasure and comfort in life. You can spend it vying for power and popularity. There's a long list of things that we can do to spend our life doing. But the purpose of our life is not to pile up uh, just a bunch of possessions that are going to rot away and burn. You didn't bring anything into this world. No one's taken anything out. Pastor Brothers used to always say, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. That as a Pastor Brothers quote that has stuck with me. I remember a story of a, this guy, he, he died, he had $10 million in his bank account. And he put in his will that he wanted to be buried with his money. His wife and his family decided to write out a check for $10 million. They put it in his hands, they had him buried. Everything that you have, listen to this, Everything that you have, everything you have is simply on loan to you. You ever thought of it that way? Nothing is really yours. Everything is on loan to you. So there's a lot more to life than just the 80 or so years, hopefully, that we have on planet Earth. Sometimes more, sometimes less. This time we have on Earth is literally just the tip of the iceberg. You've seen these pictures of icebergs and how there's little tips sticking up out of the ocean that looks like a mountain, and then you see this thing is immense underneath. So our, our little time on earth is literally the tip of the iceberg, and then there's eternity, right? God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Do you believe that? You really need to believe that. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. He made you for a reason. Regardless of what my parents have told me down through the years, I know I was not a mistake. God had a reason. My parents didn't know it for the first 20 or so years of my life, but God did. How many of you can relate to that? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't a mistake. None of you were a mistake. All divinely and uniquely created by God with a very specific but a lot of times they don't. And we know they obviously don't because of the things they do. Here's what we all need to know. You have the freedom of choice. Are you thankful for that? Are you glad to have freedom of choice? But you are not free from the consequences of your choices. You take the good with the bad, right? We all have freedom of choice, but we are not free from the consequences of them. And this is that last part is the part that a lot of people in the world apparently don't understand. It seems to me the majority of the world thinks they have freedom of choice and they should not suffer any unpleasant consequences because of those choices. But that's not how the world operates. That's a myth. God has a plan for you, but yet he doesn't force it on you. You're free to waste your life if you want to waste it. 
But you had better figure out why you're doing whatever it is you're doing because, as I said, you are betting your life on it. That's a really big bet, right? Jesus, he didn't come and die this horrible death on a cross just so we could choose to live a self-centered life, do whatever makes us feel good, and expect we're going to go to heaven regardless. Boy, that so cheapens what he did at Calvary's cross. 2 Corinthians 5.15, Jesus said this, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. That's what God's Word tells us. The Christian life is, I believe it's the greatest adventure on earth. To be used by God for the purpose that he has created for you, it's not a boring life. It's it's incredible. When you finally get why God made you and what he's called you to do, nothing comes close to fulfilling that. That's an incredible feeling. That's when you really begin to experience significance and meaning and fulfillment in life. And it's the very thing that a lot of people are not experiencing life, and they're suffering all sorts of deep levels of depression to the point of suicide because they don't feel any significance, any meaning, any fulfillment. What the answer is, drawing close to God and accomplishing what He has for you to do in life. That's when you begin to feel and experience all of these emotions. One day we're going to stand before God and I think a couple of the questions that we're going to have to answer. One, what did you do with my son Jesus? And secondly, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I equipped you to do? The question is not going to be, how much money did you make? How much stuff did you acquire? How much fun did you have? How famous were you? That's not going to be the question. You know, I was talking to somebody this past week. We were joking around about, you know, those of us who are musicians. Boy, we'd have loved to made a career out of being a musician. That's a really tough thing. If you're here this morning and you're wanting to make a life being a musician, we need to pray for you. You'll need prayer. Being a musician, you're either feasting or famine, one of the two. There's an old story about people as they were... Going into heaven, of course, every story begins with St. Peter's at the gate kind of checking people in. And a uh, guy walks through the gates, and St. Peter stops him. And he says, uh, he says, let me ask you one question. He says, uh, how much money did you earn the last year you were on, alert, on earth? The guy said, well, I made uh, $1.2 million. St. Peter said, you were a surgeon, weren't you? He said, yeah, that's right. Okay, go ahead. Next guy comes through. He says, excuse me, sir. I'm just curious today. How much money did you make your last year on earth? The guy said, I made $530,000. St. Peter looked at him and said, you were a lawyer, weren't you? I said, yeah. St. Peter said, well, go ahead. He had to think about it. Next guy comes through. He says, sir, just, just a minute. He says, let me ask you. I've been asking people, how much money did you make the last year you on earth? The guy said, well, I averaged about $120 a week. St. Peter said, oh, and what instrument do you play? <laughs> That's a musician's joke. But anyway, I didn't even have that in my notes. How many of you are thrilled I, I put that in there this morning? You say, I'm glad I came to church now to hear that one. 
It's completely free. So God is not going to be interested in all those other things. He's going to, he's going to say, what did you do with my son Jesus? In other words, did you ever have a relationship with him? Because that's what was really important. I sent him to die for you. Did you ever accept his grace and ask to be forgiven? And that second question, what did you do with what I gave you? The response you don't want to hear is, you did what? You spent most of it on yourself? That's the one you don't want to hear. Now here's another truth that everyone needs to know and understand. If you are investing all of your money in yourself, get ready for a lousy return on your investment. Truth? Truth. We all need to constantly be looking for things greater than ourselves to be investing our life in. Finances, time, energy. Things that will change the world and build the kingdom of God. One way that we do that is through being obedient in our tithes and offerings. I just threw that in for free. So we have to follow, we have to accept, we have to invest, and then we have to learn, and this is one of the toughest ones, to trust. Boy, sometimes it's hard to trust, right? You know, I have found one thing. It's so much easier to, let's say, uh, for healing, exactly. it's so much easier to have faith to pray for someone else's healing than it is for your own. It, we have to learn to trust. God's word applies equally to all of us. You know, as a pastor, I have on several occasions talked with people who are just completely frustrated with the whole idea of trying to live by faith. Usually they say something like, well, man, you know, I've tried this living by faith and it, it is not working out. And I think the biggest problem with that sentence is the word tried. Because faith is not so much about trying as it is about trusting. Trusting needs to be this ongoing principle in our life. We try for a little while. We need to trust always, right? If it's only about trying, then it just becomes one more thing added to the list of our busy lives. Well, I need to try that. You know, some of you, maybe you're thinking, well, you know, I guess I need to try going to church. Maybe that's, you're here today because you thought, oh, I ought to try this. I need to try and be a good person. Some of you might be at the end of your trying. Man, you've tried, you've tried in your marriage. You've tried at school, at work. You've tried uh, everything. You, you've just been trying things that are not working for you. And so you're just kind of at the end of trying. And once we get to the end of our trying, Jesus, if you'll turn to him, he will meet you there and say, look, if you'll just trust me, I will get you through this. I will give you wisdom and strength. And we need, we need both, absolutely. Wisdom, we need to know what to do. Strength, we need to have the strength to do it. Amen? Success in life, a lot of times, has to do with our perspective. From what vantage point are we getting our perspective? It's really important. Romans 8.28 is, is a great source of perspective. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. 
Man, that's, that's perspective right there. That tells me that even during the worst time of my life that, that's been thrown at me, I know that God is going to work this thing out for good. That's perspective. Janet and I uh, last week went up to family camp one night. We heard a great sermon on miracles. And the guy was saying that things may be going horribly wrong in your life, and the reason might be you are right in the middle of a miracle. And you stop and think about this. One great example was Jonah. Jonah had been swallowed by this giant fish. Can you imagine being physically in the belly of some giant fish? How nasty and horrible and incredibly scary that would be. You're out swimming in the ocean. All the next thing you know, some fish has swallowed you. You think that'd shake you up a little bit? Think that'd make you a little nervous? Or would, you, would your first response be, oh, praise God, I'll bet I'm right in the middle of a miracle. <laughs> I've got a feeling something good is about to happen now. And yet, he was right in the middle of an incredible miracle. And a lot of times in our life, if we'll just keep looking and we'll just keep trusting, what we perceive to be something terrible is in fact a process that's leading us to a great miracle in our life that God wants us to have, that he wants us to experience us, but if we quit trying, we miss out. We completely miss out. You know, some of you are new. Many of you have been here for many years. You've heard this story. Uh, when my sister, who was 21 at the time, was very brutally murdered, not long after Janet and I were married, I had to try to get some different perspective in life. And I remember thinking two choices. I could give up on the idea of God and think, well, look, if God was any kind of God at all, he would never have allowed someone who loved him so much as my sister did to be killed like this. That was one perspective I was mulling around. And the other one perspective was, well, Brenda is in heaven now. That means if I'm ever going to see her again, I'm going to have to make it to heaven too. That's another perspective, isn't it? And I, I chose the second perspective. I knew that I had to get serious about serving God because none of us are guaranteed another breath, right? And I, I have said this before. I, I can safely say I, I believe I'm here preaching the gospel because of that horrible experience I went through. But here's the interesting thing. I believe this completely, knowing my sister the way I knew her. If you could ask her today, hey, was seeing your brother get closer to the Lord actually worth getting strangled for? You know what she would say? She said, not only was it worth it for him, but I'd do it for you if I could. I know that's what she would say. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. But we need to have the right perspective in life, right? When things seem to be going very, very badly in life, if we'll put our trust in Jesus, he will give us the proper perspective to get through it, whatever it is. And that brings us to the last facet of faith, that letter H, this is very important, hold on. Boy, sometimes it's tough, right? 
Sometimes you just, you're at the end of the rope, and man, it's, you, know, you just got to hold on. Hold on to the promises of God. Did you know there's over in the Bible, there are over 7,000 promises that God has for us? Man, that is a lot of promises. And God says that if we will, in fact, trust Him, He will make the promises of our life come to fruition. Here's just a few of His promises. These are just a few if we put our faith in Him. He promises, He says, I'll take care of you, I'll meet your needs. I'll give you the desires of your heart. I'll watch out for you. I'll guide and direct you. I'll give you peace in the midst of these storms. I'll keep you from being lonely. Man, that's a very short list of a very incredibly long list. Just a few of his promises in our lives. When we hold on to his promises, it saves us a ton of worry. Amen? I mean, we worry about so much stuff today, but in fact, if we're holding on to God's promises, we shouldn't have to spend a lot of time in worry. Do you believe that? If I have an insurance policy on my house, and I've read through it, and I know everything that it covers, I don't have to worry if something horrible happens to my house because I'm aware of what the policy does and does not cover. But if I don't have a clue what my homeowner's policy covers, and something happens, then all of a sudden I'm all worried, aren't I? Oh man, I wonder if I'm covered for that. I don't know. If you constantly find yourself worrying about things in life, it's probably because you don't know what's covered in your policy, so to speak. You don't, you don't know all the promises that God has for you, and since you don't know what's covered, you worry and you'll probably never submit a claim. In other words, you go through life never receiving all the benefits that God has promised you. Being a Christian, it begins with faith. If you have the faith to put God in charge of your life and you'll commit to living life according to the example that Jesus gave to all of us, then God has some incredible things in store for you. Back to the basics. This is like, this is Christianity 101. We need to review this ever so often, right? It all begins with faith. Not scientific proof. It begins with faith. If you'll have faith, God will give you wisdom, strength, and He'll give you direction to have an incredible life and a much, much greater life to come. Amen? You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.